Welcome to ABC at Noon. I'm Larry Boss, and I'm here with co-host of this show, Paul Schreiner and Jack Valentine. Jack is our special reporter who provides us regularly uh, with reports on the city council and other issues that are going on in the uh, city of Valparaiso. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind people you are listening to WVLPLP 103.1. We do stream live at WVLP.org. You can get us any place in, in the world. Uh, in the past, I've always had to remind people that we, our program is supported from contributions from our, from our supporters, underwriters, but also from a cultural grant from the Valparaiso Human Relations Committee, but we're not quite sure if that applies anymore. Apparently there's been some kind of hold put on the, the grant, so we're in sort of limbo, so I don't have, is that right, Paul? I don't have to announce that anymore, right? Well, we can talk about that later. Yeah, let's talk about that okay, later. Yeah. I also remind people that this airs uh, originally on Monday, the 3rd of February at noon. This time it's at 1 o'clock because of special arrangements. And then again on Tuesday, February 4th at 5. And again on Sunday, February 9th at 5 o'clock. And then again on Tuesday, January, I'm sorry, February 11th at 5 o'clock. So you can get us if you miss us today and other times you can, you can still... I get the results. Just a note to remind you that ABC stands for Agenda for a Better Community. Uh, it's a result of a, a series of discussions uh, about a year and a half ago where some people said, hey, you know what, the city of Valparaiso is pretty good, but I think there are some things that we can do a little bit better, and what are those things? And so we put together uh, a brochure uh, and a web page uh, that indicates uh, seven major issues that we think that the city could could do a little better on. And if you want to look at that that brochure and set of issues, you can go to abcvalpo.org uh, and you can download that. Um, so, and also you could call the office at four seven six nine thousand, and we will get you make sure that you get a copy of this. Um, so. Uh, let's get one. You got a comment, Paul? Uh, no comment. I don't think. I think that uh, we're now into the second month of the new year, a new administration, and neither you nor I, Larry, have had firsthand contact with this administration, but our ace reporter has. Yep. So I think we want to jump right over and and get his Im his impressions, and then his his uh, as usual accurate reporting. Jack Ballantyne. Okay, thank you, uh, Paul and Larry. Um, the first thing I'd like to do is, uh, as a volunteer at the Hilltop Pantry, there was a food drive put out to St. Teresa's uh, Church uh, this past month, and we received that at the pantry this uh, last week. And I just want to thank everyone out there that participated in that. What we received was a very important items and uh, they were well appreciated by the clients that come to that pantry. So I thank the uh, group from St. Teresa in organizing that drive. Can I ask which food pantry that was? And the That's the one up on Hilltop. It's Hilltop, on Union. Okay. Yeah, it's 602, I think it is, Union. Okay. As far as the uh, city council go, uh, at our last uh, broadcast, Paul had a question on, we had gone over the appointments made by city council uh, 
for the liaison positions that interact with the various departments uh, in the city and what the procedure was in doing that. And I did ask uh, George Douglas, uh, who is the president of the council, uh, the question on what that procedure was, and he uh, responded back to me, which I appreciate also. As far as the caucus meeting goes, they are conducted along party lines. Uh, what George uh, does, however, is he communicates with all the members of the council before and after a caucus meeting and solicits input and feedback on interest and various assignments and appointments. Uh, the slate, though, is created uh, by the caucus, which in this case would be a Republican caucus because they are the majority uh, on the council. But uh, any council member can nominate a different person or slate when it does come up for a vote. Uh, procedurally, that's possible, but as far as execution goes, it, you can imagine that probably would not uh, produce a change. So, so in all likelihood, whatever the five members of the council yes. decide on, that's that's what it's going to be. Right, and that's basically the that's way what we government that works. works. Right. Yeah. But, but there is some interaction is the important part, uh, effort to try to identify interests and, okay. and uh, what people might want to get involved with. So. And areas of expertise, I assume. Correct, yeah. right. And you can see that with... Uh, uh, Diana Reed's appointment on the school board. I think she was involved in the education field. So, right. yeah. And George Douglas has had a lot of experience on the uh, redevelopment committee, which is part of uh, his assignment. Um, <clears throat> before I get into the council meeting, because it is a new year, I took a look at, I did not attend, but I did take a look at the, the mayor on Tuesday the 28th, did have uh, the state of the city address, and he identified uh, the items, uh, kind of the targeted items for 2020, and I'd just like to uh, go over those a little bit with our listeners. Um, I'm getting this from a, a newspaper report. So um, first one is uh, they're looking at the possible combination of the utility and public works department. That might be a natural, uh, being the, the, the duties of each. Uh, within the city uh, management uh, of those departments. Um, Do we define what those are? I mean, utilities is water and sewer. And storm water, maybe. And what's public works? How's public works, the roads, the sidewalks. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. Um, trash removal, uh, so that, those items. Uh, the second item mentioned was uh, continuing the 5th Chicago Dash Route uh, and connecting buses to the South Shore Doom Park uh, train station. Um, the uh, Chicago Dash had four routes established for over the last three years or so. They've added a fifth last year, and they're going to continue that. Basically, the Chicago Dash, the station here in Valpo is at uh, 260 Brown Street, which is kind of on the South Campbell side down as you head toward 30 um, near the Onco uh, property. Jack, and does that mean when you say routes, that means there's five buses? Now? Five buses, buses in the okay. morning. They run in the morning from 5.30 a.m., and the last bus is 7.15, and they go approximately every half hour. It takes about an hour and 20 minutes to get to the downtown area. 
Do you know what the, the seating capacity of those buses might be? It's 53. And we have five of them. We have, and the, uh, the last statistic that I saw was that the buses normally uh, have 33 riders is what they figure as an average. The total ridership is somewhere between uh, 120 to 150 riders okay. a day. These buses go, they are uh, weekday buses, Monday through Friday. They're not, they're not for pleasure. They're pretty much for commuting for business. And so do you know what the cost is? I'm just curious. It's $8 a trip or $70 for 10 trips or $230 for a month pass. Okay. And, and that's, that was probably demonstrably cheaper than driving in, not to mention the wear and tear on your, on your cycle. Yes. Well, the, the tolls now back and forth to Chicago are eight, over $18, pushing 20 yes. bucks alone. If you're driving. If you drive. Yes. Not counting parking. So, or counting correct. Parking. Just on tolls yeah, back and yeah. forth. Oh, tolls. Yeah. Oh, just, oh, just on tolls, now. right. Well, yeah, you can the, drive to Chicago the, without incurring tolls. Yeah, but you would also you have to yeah, get three in the morning. Traffic. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I know. Nine ninety four is not very. Could be like yeah. I have some friends who know the back roads. Yeah. You could probably do that. Yeah. So this can is. I, can I make a point too about sure. this? That the Community Research and Service Center years and years ago did a city a study for the survey a survey for the city on whether or not a train could be could could be located in Valpo. We estimated at that time it would be over two hundred people would take the train. Mm -hmm. And then we did the initial bus study for the city and again predicted that there would probably be close to, th there was a market out there for as many as 270. We haven't reached that point yet, yeah. available to that kind of stuff. And at that time, they were talking about, <laughs> in the service, kind of interesting, people said, well, if you've got coffee, <laughs> a bathroom, and Wi-Fi, and it's less than 10 bucks, of course, this was 10 long time ago, we're on. Yes, you know, and so that that you know that indicated right away that this was a market for that kind of right. stuff. So th this is Valpo's position with sh the Chicago market. This is this is a, an important connection that we can make with uh, uh, people that live here and can work in Chicago. That does increase some of uh, the um, uh, wanting to live in Valpo. I'll say. And the question I would have is, has it? Has it increased the migration from Illinois to Valpo? Maybe when the 2020 census comes out, we'll have some new figures on yeah. that. Yeah. I would say that um, what they did, again, the figures on the ridership, I will say, are probably two years old. I have not seen anything newer than that, so I'm not sure. When they did the survey, again, a couple of years ago, when they asked, why do you live in Valpo, of those riders, they give the survey to the riders of the bus the answers were closer to family members, so they might have lived here already. Right. Uh, better housing options, which would get to your point, Paul, right. about possibly moving yeah. from Illinois. Higher purchasing power, again. Same thing. Same thing. And better school district, maybe from as opposed to Chicago, say, right. and some of the issues in Chicago. Uh, better social opportunities and... Uh, Respondents didn't live here. Only three, three of the 138 respondents did not live in Valpo. All those other respondents did live in Valpo. Okay. So it kind of dovetails into what you're saying. Okay. Well, it dovetails into the whole market too. Murphy has said we're going to bring more middle class people in here. We'll build homes and and 
Yeah, so. I, I, I see it as a, 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 you know, I think I see it as a necessity because clogging the highways and the air is mm-hmm. not is not the yeah. best solution. I see the downside is that it's going to increase the uh, cost for others to live in Valparaiso. And that's part of why you need to keep planning and keeping that conversation open. Absolutely. Right. This is a good idea, but like all good ideas, you have to manage them and look at all aspects of how it impacts your city. And that certainly would be one of them. Um, along the line of the, the pollution issues, when you look at that ridership, it's close to 65,000 rides is what they calculated. If you look at if each of those were individual cars going to Chicago, uh, with a um, thousand round trips with the 33 people on board, I'm talking round trips now. It'd be a thousand round trips again to Chicago and home at night. That would be 30,000 individual cars doing a round trip. So that's the value of it. And part of when we look at what Valparaiso is saying is they're creating a transportation district from Lincoln Way to Route 30, we'll say in general, and in, in that area of. Campbell Street South, that whole area that's the Onco area, right. say. And that's going to have the distillery in the future here and some retail and some housing and some park area. So they're going to develop that, but designating as a transit area, they do have opportunity to get grants for issues like that ratio I just said, the fact that you can cut down on pollution. Uh, mm-hmm. That will create some grant opportunity with state and federal money. So that's part of what they're looking at. And, and I see the whole picture coming into clearer view when you think that there are 300 housing units proposed yes. within a stone's throw of where this bus uh, departs from Valparaiso. Right. And, and again, uh, there's a mixed bag of, of, of benefits and liabilities associated with it. Right. But, you know, but a lot of that housing and transportation district didn't seem to me to be planned for families. I if I'm wrong. Not on Brown Street. On Brown Street, you have, I think, largely two-bedroom apartments. But on the west side of the current industrial buildings, I think those are single-family okay. uh, subdivisions, uh, subdivision houses, winding streets, okay. trees, all that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the uh, the plans that I've seen have kind of been. Uh, just that kind of plans and they've changed a little bit so I haven't seen and part of what they're saying um, later on here is is to kind of formalize you know what all that's going to look like uh, with regard to that area of the Onco property the uh, the next thing related to the bus station is that we did have a shuttle between O'Hare Midway and Valparaiso that bus line though that was not profitable enough for them, I guess, because they stopped that. However, in the coming weeks, uh, another outfit, um, Mishawaka, uh, Royal Excursions of Mishawaka, provides a shuttle service to airports, and they are going to start another shuttle from Valparaiso to those airports in the upcoming weeks. Can't be too soon. <laughs> yeah. We've had some friends go and get an airport back and forth, and we've been driving, yeah. or right my now, wife has been driving there. Yeah. Right now, the closest one is Portage does have a connection. I, I believe think the, the, the limo we looked in was 150 bucks each way. <sighs> Just a, I don't know if that was with an, was with cigars and alcohol. An right? odd story, know. but my my <clears throat> entrepreneur son, who thought he was going to be a millionaire, uh, 
uh, took a took a cab from O'Hare to Valpo once. <laughs> it, I don't think it worked out real well. Although <laughs> made he, the cab he, driver a millionaire. I maybe. think yes, yes. <laughs> Not something you want to do routinely. Okay. <clears throat> Along um, some of the other areas that uh, are important to uh, what the city is involved with. Uh, completing the transition of the Damon Run Conservatory District uh, into the Valpo City Utilities Department. This is uh, an area uh, that is basically along Route 6. It's outside the city limits. It uh, contains the Porter Hospital, the um, um, Liberty School in Chesterton, and then about five or six uh, developments, housing developments. And uh, right now, they have funded it through their own, uh, I'll say, HOAs, and it's very expensive for them. Uh, the city utilities is trying to extend itself out into the areas that are adjacent to uh, Valparaiso for the purpose of uh, offering utilities so businesses uh, and other development can happen at a more economical uh, fashion than uh, having kind of individual sewer lines uh, and people individually paying for them, taking advantage of the uh, uh, scale of Valparaiso utilities and offering more development area outside the city limits. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a natural thing for them. Uh, they have did their due diligence last year, but it will require the uh, utility, Valparaiso Utility, to uh, put a uh, $6 million bond issue out, which they plan to do. And this will not impact any charges to current Valpo uh, City Utility residents. This will all be handled with the current um, people that are in that uh, particular um, district, the Damien Run district. Can I ask if is that finalized? I believe so. The uh, a meeting last year, they went through everything needed to. Uh, the city council voted uh, unanimously to uh, do all the necessarily necessary approvals for both the bond issue and uh, pursuing this project. Yeah, I, so was I, looking, I was looking for some information because I because I think last time I talked about I talked about in Chesterton there were some people who weren't very happy about this and they were going to try to do something about it. So I thought I tried to find some kind of letter, but the letter that the the uh, Valparaiso people sent out was dated December tenth, twenty nineteen, mm -hmm. and it says Damon Damon Runyon transaction is finalized as of December tenth, twenty nineteen. Yeah. Then the letter it says. Uh, it, this is the proposed water and sewer boundaries for what, for what we're going to use. So I, I was confused by whether or not when the letter says we're finalized, but then it, everything in here we propose to do certain kinds of things. Hey, did you say the proposed article. boundaries? I, your last sentence there, I, I'm not, if I heard what you said correctly, what Valparaiso City Utilities, is they're establishing kind of like their targeted area to be, uh, say, an economic player in uh, utility, providing utilities. And what they're saying is they're looking at, basically, this takes you to 900 north, a little north of Route 6, 900 north, uh, and then down to, say, 600 north, which is about where the city yeah. limits end. 
So that area <clears throat> in between 149 and uh, Route 49 is kind of the area that they say, given our facilities to handle sewer and water, uh, that is an area that they believe they can be beneficial to uh, provide those services to people in that area. So maybe what they're saying is, what they said at the meeting I was at last year is that was their proposed area and they were showing that yeah. area and this was why they were going to try to uh, uh, buy Damon Runs. On their map, they have a map, on their webpage, they have a map of, mm -hmm. of that area. Um, and I, I should note that their webpage is much, much better than the city's webpage. Mm -hmm. it's, it's more complete, it's more thorough, it's more easy to handle. It's kind of, the, the uh, city ought to hire the same people who are doing yeah. the, the utilities people because it is. Okay, good. Because, I, I, again, I read the Chester Tribune every day, and there's been a lot of hankering in the city there about this. Yeah, there's probably some competition. Taken over, yeah, I think there's some concern. There was some yeah. concern at the meeting about are we annexing the uh, the people they were afraid that yeah. by doing this Valparaiso <clears throat> was annexing those developments and that is not what's happening it's really just extending uh, service to areas that uh, are not handled by any municipality whether it's Chester or not the sewage actually from those developments and the hospital does go to Portage they handle the sewer this is buying the lines and the pumping stations the sewage still will be treated in portage because that is the closest uh, uh facility that's good send the send sewage to portage <laughs> well i gotta interrupt and see remind people you're out of some wvlp good time to interrupt isn't it wvlp uh 103.1 and radio dial this is abc at noon i'm larry boss i'm here with paul schreiner and jack ballantyne we're talking about the most interesting possible topic in <laughs> sewage. Sewage. All right. All right. Well, what do you do with sewage? I got a sewage question. What happens when okay. you flush that I, I, toilet? Uh, it, uh, the advantages of scale. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we are purchasing these this area, right? Uh, and and you're say, saying the sewage is not going to come to our treatment plant. Correct. So what exactly are we doing differently? Uh, we are because of the. Maintaining those pipes, those pumping stations, uh, that cost is what we are taking in. And then we uh, will take in the revenue associated with sewage and then pay a portion of that to Portage okay. to treat it. Okay. It's not, it's, again, when you look at the whole system, the whole system just doesn't come to, the, you have to get the sewage to the plant. And yeah. so, yeah, that one's going that way, but... The idea is that for the when you look at it, the economic analysis that Valparaiso City Utilities did for the people that are currently there, looking at their current bond issue, what they have to pay as a called individuals, it's a little bit bigger than that, but let's just call them individuals versus a city's bond issue with the interest rate and so forth. Right. And their ability to, we already have people that maintain sewer lines so the economy of scale gets into it and overall when you look at the cost those people they have shown them that they will save they will reduce the cost the cost to those people over the next 10 years their sewer bills were three times what our sewer yeah. bills are uh, even more than that actually so it's a matter of uh, the economics it would be a savings and then the to maintain that over the years you do bring in all the value of, of Valparaiso City Utilities. 
Yeah, it looked like a, it was, all the data I looked at is pretty good. There's 460 residential units in there, and they were yes. all going to receive a, a significant or at yes. least an important yeah, I, reduction. I, I got all of that. Yeah. I the only part I didn't get was yeah. that I assumed our system would take over completely. Yeah, and we're not. We're, we're yeah. we, so, we are we are going to be paying for the final yeah treatment. If, yeah, yeah. Okay, correct. The next one that they spoke about is uh, the um, journeyman distillery project at the site of the former Onco property. Uh, this is the one, Paul, you were mentioning would include, eventually, it involves uh, not only journeyman distillery as far as development of that area, but it would include additional retail, housing units, the transit center, as we discussed, uh, and park area a park area and that is to be um, finalized this year and then the last one that's noted in that address is the Brooks neighborhood development which is an area that uh, if you go over Val Park Road then past the high school Keystone uh, Commons Val Park Road dead ends then if it, it's picked up again from Froberg Road coming uh, east, uh, there's a section in there that's disconnected. And that area, uh, the, what they're looking at doing there is making that connection and putting in of developments co called, <coughs> excuse me, the Brooks of Val Park. And it'll be a 287 uh, home development, which would include small to large single family homes, townhouses, and triplexes. <clears throat> do we know who the developer of Brooks is? I do. I, it's like Val Park LLC, I believe, is the name of it, but I'd have to double-check that. Okay. The redevelopment committee is part of providing funding for this area to make it suitable for development. Uh, this would include stormwater work, and probably the road extension. Clearly the road. <clears throat> yeah. What they figure mm -hmm. right now, the figures that I saw were a total of $9.7 million. 6.8 of it would be funded through a bond, uh, redevelopment bond. What the city indicated was that part of this area uh, uh, is part of the Beauty Creek watershed area. That creek is part of what collects a lot of the runoff, <coughs> excuse me, and has created, because of probably some of the changes in our weather conditions, we've had a bunch of 500-year storms over the last 10 years. And because of that, there's a lot of erosion going on around the city area, and stormwater uh, management has become a big thing. What they looked at here, <coughs> in order to control the erosion that is associated with Beauty Creek, which is a creek that runs as part of the whole kind of Froberg Road, Ransom Road, uh, kind of west of the high school area. Um, they looked at the city stormwater projects would cost somewhere around $13.4 So that's why they're looking at this $9.7 to do this kind of work is a better alternative. <clears throat> I'm sorry, excuse me. Some complexity there. Yes. Okay, yeah. 
can I go back and make a comment about the general one? Because I, and I read both of the articles in the paper that were written about it. And it's interesting to me that, that um, what he talks about and what he doesn't talk about. And that is there's all you, these things. You're referring are, to the, the mayor. Yeah, the mayor, I'm sorry. Yeah. Not, not Jack. But not the, me. The mayor, okay. No. <laughs> um, they're all structural things. It's all you know, infrastructural kind of thing, water, sewer, uh, roads, subdivisions. No, no discussion of, of the human side. We've talked about that before on different programs. There's no, no, no discussion there of housing, housing for all. There's no discussion there basically of, of how we're going to integrate new citizens in the community. I was looking at the figures when we talked about that DLI, that 20% of the people in the Parkview area, they, they speak in Spanish-speaking homes anyway. Um, they come, or the 20% of students come from Spanish-speaking homes. Well, how, you know, we got this increase in Spanish-speaking people. How are we going to integrate these people in the community? Nothing about we've talked about before about the biases that are going on day-to-day uh, -day in the community here, basically. Nothing about the increasing rates of property, which we've talked about as well. Nothing about the increasing number of people who aren't free and reduced lunch. These seem to be uh, the human side of the equation. It doesn't seem to be... Uh, one that's of interest, and plus, I think it's important that this these state these state of the state dresses are always given where, the Chamber of Commerce, right? And, and it's as if this is a business report to the community. Okay, I take nothing away from the fact that these are the kind of things that we should do and we have to do, and they make us a better community. But there are a whole bunch of things that consistently, and I think this is why the ABC was developed, was because there's, there's not a discussion. These things are not on the agenda. Uh, of, of at least publicly on the minds of, of, of people in power. Just to reinforce what you just said, if you look at these things. You look in your face like you're going to jump on me. No, okay. I'm not going to jump on you. These things are um, a response to those people that do have a voice in the community. And, and those are the people that are here and relatively comfortable economically. So, so things like the, the, the whole development of the distillery and the ability to get to Chicago and back inexpensively, and same thing with the airports. Um, the Damon Run thing, that, that kind of skirts, it seems to be providing. Oh, but, yeah. but again, it's providing an economic benefit for folks who are already rooted. Yeah, it's, it's um, going to facilitate greater development in the future. So, And you're right, the issues that maybe address the people in the bottom third of the economic ladder are, are not present here. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying these are not important things that they've talked about here, necessary, absolutely, thing, but it's, it's consistently... It is a response to the people who have a voice. Yeah. And the people that don't have a voice, um, you don't expect much of a response. And we were promised a housing report by the end of the year. Uh, for a long time. I think we're, we're off a ways yet because yeah. we know that that just got uh, bids were just accepted 35, 40, 45 days ago. Oh, really? Okay. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask if anybody knew what's happening. That's the that. last word that I got. Yeah. And, and, and just, just a, a quick commentary. And I, Jack, we're, we may need a two-hour show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, City Hall is in transition. We really don't know what's going on there because I think the transitions are tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the, the the notion of hitting the ground, you know, you know, the we knew who was going to win, you know, 
So when he gave the speech, he said he was in the office 27 days, you know, but he also knew he was going to win for a couple, you know, he already had won a couple months ago. So that these things, you can hit the ground running if you want, if you want to. Yeah, for my input, these are all important pieces that are necessary to build a community for all. You need, you know, economic development. You need to have fair wages for people. You and and that comes out of kind of the economic development. You want to take advantage of your position. The fact that we are close to Chicago, we discussed some of the economic effect that that would have, plus uh, the environmental effect of just the uh, the position that Valpo's in and can provide services like that. And that all starts creating jobs and uh, but the thing is you, you do need to have on your target list how you do include everybody just not the voices as you were talking paul of the group that can be the loudest the it, it needs to be part of the plan of saying uh, the one person that spoke at one of the meetings i was at uh, was concerned is the bus station a good thing for Valparaiso they're concerned about all the things that where they sat is it going to increase my taxes is it going to force me out is it going to uh, affect me in a negative way and if we do not plan for how we handle say people that might be on fixed incomes uh, and become part of fixed incomes because they're now the elderly and on Social Security and all these things. I mean, just that referendum for the school that was passed two years ago, that increased people's taxes anywhere, I'm going to guess, on average, probably $800, maybe five to $800 a year, 1000 to maybe 1500 for some. For a fixed, somebody on fixed income, that might not sound a lot to somebody that's still working in a really good job, and we like promoting our schools. But that goes to everybody, and that includes we got to look at what impacts this has on everybody. Yeah, I, have, yeah, I agree. I, I, my premise was these are important issues. We yes. have to tackle them without them. But, again, there's a notable absence here, as you pointed right. out. Yeah. Again, remind people this is WVLP-LP, 103.1 on your radio dial. I'm Larry Boss and Paul Schreiner and Jack Ballantyne, and we, we are going to move on from sewers. Okay. And, and I apologize for my uh, little bit of a tickle here in my throat, so I'm coughing a little bit. But anyway, we can continue. And then just to complete this issue a little bit, the city does put out a vision, and they have a lot of groups, Valpo Next and Valpo All, and a bunch of groups that are putting out uh, kind of visions and so forth. And we really have to look at those as a community and come, come back to those as talking points, I think. And it gets back to what Larry and, and Paul were talking about. To include everybody, you have to enter into discussion those that might have less voice. And some of the things that are vision for our city um, in the last uh, five-year plan were the city that uh, invests generously in roads, sidewalks, streetscapes, parks, infrastructure buildings, and people. It's there, but what does that mean is the important thing. What's investing in people mean? And we, uh, we see the sidewalks, the roads, the streetscapes, that stuff you can see. It's how do we invest in all our people. Uh, the city that makes economic development a priority, that is an important part. You need to have 
a vibrant uh, economy in order to have everybody live the best life that is possible. Uh, there are other areas that are a vibrant and beautiful historic downtown we've seen, a healthy fit city, <clears throat> a compassionate city again. And then they stress under that is that uh, a strong nonprofit se sector and vibrant faith community. So, you know, the, the government does have to play a part in that, though. They have to help, at least help those groups if they want them to handle some of the areas that is more kind of, I'll say, in their, their wheelhouse. That's what they're trying to do is uh, improve <clears throat> uh, the living situation for all community, including those that have less of voice. Can I add something to that? This is what Paul's always harping on. I noticed in your report there were uh, apparently about 35 people at the meeting. 25 of those were Boy Scouts. Yes. <laughs> and so there was only 10 citizens, one of which was you. Yes. Uh, neither Paul and I were there because we were on the radio, if I'm not mistaken. And for the most part, I believe those 10 citizens were there focused on the dual language. Yes, on absolutely. School, on school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And by the way, um, on Monday evening, uh, February 3rd, Larry and I will be interviewing two or three parents whose children have experienced that uh, dual language immersion program. And that is Monday evening at 7 o'clock. And, and that will replay again on Thursday and, and Saturday at noon. Right. So, Jack. Then the... Uh, Last thing I want to say before I get to the specifics of the, the city council meeting, uh, what I saw in the last redevelopment commission meeting, <clears throat> they're looking at legislation, <clears throat> sorry, that would uh, kind of extend the idea of the uh, tax increment financing, which is the uh, kind of our redevelopment um, program. Uh, the Redevelopment Commission currently is addressing uh, a lot of the business side of things. But with this particular legislation that they're looking at trying to get, the, it would have to be a change in the state laws. But what they're looking at is how to extend that idea of the incremental tax financing to uh, individual homes. Okay. So that could open up, and I, I just mentioned this more for Paul and Larry because we talk a lot about housing. This would, uh, again, that's all I know about it, but it sounds like if, if in, in understanding the way the current incremental tax system works is that if that legislation could be made, it could open up some resources for some of the things we're talking about as far as affordable housing. And the question is, is it all focused <laughs> on uh, paying for demo costs? Yeah, that's the reason I mentioned yeah. it, is okay. what yeah. does it mean? What does it get into in, in as it becomes a resource, is how, how it might be applied. So we need, it's, we need to it's get a good the, idea that's out there, but I don't know yeah. exactly well, what that idea is. One, something we suggested in the ABC was to use that. We didn't use, suggest to use it for dem demolition, but we used it for, suggested using for those people who can't normally afford to build a new house or something right, like that. Yeah. Right. This is the, the, where the emphasis is on the idea of redevelopment infill projects, which means where you have existing 
structures that could be upgraded to housing units and purchase, you know, as an individual home, as opposed to a rental. Right now, there are areas that can be used for rental. What we know is that the most recent use of um, RDC funds went for the demolition of a house on Indiana Avenue. Correct, 603. 603. Mm -hmm. And a very, very nice house was designed and built there, but one would not define it as affordable. Right. Uh, the other big project was the uh, Lakes of Valparaiso apartment complex over off of, I think it's Sturdy Road. Uh, a lot of the infrastructure there, stormwater and roadway, was was provided by the redevelop. A portion of that was funded through the redevelopment. St. Paul's? No, no. Oh, this is no, the. Uh, well, I know what you're. you're oh, from, yeah, yeah. St. Paul's is another one. Though. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Does anybody know how Lakes of Valparaiso was doing? What I saw was it. Okay, I just saw one comment that the the it was doing reasonably well that the that the uh, occupancy rate was pretty decent okay yeah so I haven't uh, I can't say that I just read something in glancing I wasn't looking for it but yeah. it, that's the only thing I sound like it was doing okay. there, there are just a <clears throat> lot of nice apartment buildings that have gone up but you don't even recognize like behind the Roosevelt Road Hospital there on Roosevelt those apartments back there are really, really nice, and I just, but they're, they're not going to be affordable. Basically. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's uh, get into the specific agenda items of the the meeting. Um, this meeting was on January 27th. Uh, the first item, two um, ordinance were uh, handled during this um, meeting. One was in second reading. And that had to do with the <clears throat> unsafe building fund. This is appropriating $86,860 to that fund for expenditures during 2020 related to demolishing buildings that may uh, be deemed unsafe. Um, and a demolition order would be issued for it. Right now, the only demolition order pending is <clears throat> the one associated with 502 Union Street, which is the building that uh, five families were evicted from last uh, summer. They are still in negotiation deciding whether they can rehabilitate that building uh, with the owner uh, who I believe wants to sell it, and uh, the buyer would do the renovating work to bring it up to code. Uh, they are still in negotiation where that's even possible because there, there's, uh, you know, some issues there. So right now that has a pending demolition order, but nothing has been followed through with uh, based on the negotiations that are going on. Um, over the last three years, uh, the expenditures kind of per year were more in the fifteen to $17,000 range, and the... Uh, buildings that were demolished. One was at 156 Institute, another at 1009 Calumet Avenue, and the third, which was done by the Redevelopment Commission, was the one Paul mentioned, 603 uh, Indiana Avenue. That, I didn't think that was on the corner, 603. Uh, it's not on the corner. It's not on the corner. It's an alley goes by. An okay. alley, it's a, it butts up against an alley. So I was trying to look at it on, on, on Google Maps and see what it is. 
<clears throat> it keeps pointing to one on the corner, but I. Yeah. Not on a corner unless you're looking at an alley, because there is an alley that runs right next to it. Right. That okay. intersects with Indiana. Right. No, this, this, the Google map is wrong. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. yeah. It's those alleys that will be part of the Can I ask money. why? We talked about it before, but I can't remember. Why did the Redevelopment Commission get involved in that one? I, I believe. I, thing? I, there was a fire in the building, and it sat for two or three years, mm -hmm. untended, okay. and I believe the city purchased the property. Out of oh, receivership. Okay. Okay, no, I, I remember yeah, That's what I, I understand. I remember now. <clears throat> Okay, the uh, next ordinance, which was read in first reading, uh, is a appropriating funds in the forfeiture, forfeiture and seizure assessment fund, uh, and this provides public notification that they uh, want to fund uh, this particular uh, activity at fifteen thousand dollars this year. Uh, this is basically funded from, the reason it's called forfeiture assets is in uh, cases where uh, crimes have been committed, where unlawful assets have been accumulated, that uh, those are, are given up in a sense. I, I don't know the specifics of how that happened, but it's in an unlawful act if uh, certain assets are uh, uh, created through uh, I'll say criminal means is that it creates uh, the ability for the city to seize them. Yeah, so if you're selling pornography, they'll take the whole building. <laughs> they, I'm you know, not sure they, how they, it they works. They try. There's been some Supreme Court cases recently <clears throat> that limited the city's ability and right. state's ability to do that, but they've been pretty aggressive. Most so if, 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 you're, if you're in some crime business and, you have a, and you're utilizing a late model Ford van, the city can not only arrest you and take the contraband, but theoretically, theoretically they could take. I, the I don't know exactly what that, but that's that's the that's the theory, the theory behind, behind this. That's yeah. what I'm guessing. And that's where the cities have been. Take, a lot of places have been just amassing tons of money out yeah. doing that. So now, stuff. in this case, just to give you an idea, though, the uh, police chief uh, said that over a three-year period, the amount of money that was uh, received from this means was in the neighborhood of $15,000 over three years, fifteen dollars to $20,000. And, and, the, and the, the ordinance allows for what? Okay, what the ordinance does is say that we're, set, we're, we're funding this particular activity with money, and now I'm going to tell you what they're going to spend it on. Okay. So they basically say to the city, we would like $15,000. And what he's telling, what he's telling uh, the residents is that basically this $15,000 isn't coming out of your property tax. It's coming out of, in the normal course of business and fighting crime, there are certain funds that the city get, gets access to. So it's going to be, it's not going to be property tax. So it's $15,000, but it's not directly coming from... So the cops tax. get the goods, they... They put it to good use. They liquidate the goods, and the money <clears throat> goes to the city, and now the city's allocating it yes, back? correct. For? For what the... Okay, with the... Electric bikes. Yeah, our police department <laughs> uh, has a number of community engagement projects, and I'll run through those real quickly later. But this particular one is they want to use... 8,000 of the money to upgrade their bike patrol bikes. Right now, they just have regular bikes, but they want to uh, purchase uh, electric assist bikes for the purpose of allowing them to 
extend their patrols out in the total uh, extent of our community, go to all the neighborhoods. Rather than concentrating on downtown, they'll be able to take these patrols and do them throughout all the neighborhoods in the community. Um, the other, um, what did I say, 6000 or yes, yeah, $7,000, I'm sorry, $3,500. The police chief is looking at a pilot program of renting, uh, leasing a motorcycle to add to the um, to that particular group. So again, it's to try to create more of a, a presence on the street rather than being in a car and you see a police car go by these groups are more uh, tuned into the community. They stop, they talk to people more, they can uh, observe more activity around all the, the alleyways and so forth of the community. And also, during a number of events around the city, you will see the bike patrols, and they do the patrols between April and October during, you know, when the weather is fine. Uh, they will engage you know, the children of the community more, that's where they're kind of targeting. So that's the thought behind these programs. And again, it's part of their whole community engagement uh, theme. Can I tell a very quick story I probably told before, but my wife and I were working at the men's shelter at our church. The men go from church to church on every night. And uh, uh, one night at two o'clock in the morning, um, we heard the door open and the lights went on when people, it's one of those lights. And of course, you know, my wife wouldn't go up there and look because, you know, she thought a man should. Anyway, make long story short, call the cops. And I would say in three minutes, there was two cops on bicycles at the door, knocking at the mm -hmm. door and, and came. Now, you know, so I, it's not, you know, it's, it's a good program. And being electric bikes, you can, you can provide yeah. much better service. And, and another quick anecdote, uh, I don't get tickets very often, uh, driving tickets, but when a patrolman on a bicycle went by my car and noticed that I didn't have my seatbelt on, because <laughs> they can't really see <clears throat> if they're in another car, yeah. I got a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> and I so, think that's a good, I mean, yeah, it's a good. No, I, it's a good I, thing. I think the, that, that patrolling, and I, mm -hmm. I know my my uh, grandson's got one of those. They they, just, they they can really fly. They go really well. Electric assisted no, bikes. No, yeah, yeah. I've never, I've never, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a little scooter like that. Mm -hmm. you know, electric yeah, the uh, police department, as far as its budget goes, it's it's close to five million dollars a year, and we have forty eight officers involved with the police department, and one of the divisions they have which I don't know whether it's unique. It's not unique to Valpo, but I don't know how many communities would have it, but they actually have a community relations division. And there's a number of programs under there that if you go to the Valparaiso website under their department, you will see them. And it's an effort on their part to try to extend out to the community uh, uh, how to get to know them as basically human beings rather than just law enforcement officers and it's a two-way street right now they're extending it how well these programs work i don't know because i've never really participated in any of them however they seem to be good but it does require reciprocal response from the community to participate in them and take your concerns if you have anything to the police on a 
conversational basis rather than out in the middle of the street when an incident is occurring. But the, the main ones I'll say that you may or may not know is they have a Citizens Police Academy, which is run every year. It's a 10-week course in which they go over their procedures, how they uh, interact with the community, how things are done. And so it's probably a good uh, course for, for someone that wants to understand from a policeman's angle their job. So that one is going to be scheduled in the fall. It's normally in the spring, but this year, because of other commitments, that will be in the fall. Uh, the other thing is a national night out, which will be August 4th of this year, which if your community has like a neighborhood watch and they plan a block party or something on that night, you can contact the uh, police department. They will set up like a bike patrol or something to come by and uh, participate in your community uh, uh, activity. Uh, the other one, twice a year they have coffee with a cop. Again, these are scheduled if you go to their, uh, probably their Facebook page, they advertise on there. But twice a year they have uh, like breakfasts at a, a local restaurant and you can again kind of exchange conversations with a, a police officer. They do a lot of work with Project Safeway, which is if your neighborhood has problems with traffic, maybe going too fast down your street, you're concerned about the kids walking home from school. If you see issues, they will uh, take in those issues. They will set up various uh, activities to try to mitigate the problem that you're having, whether it's those uh, speedways, electronic signs that tell people this is how fast you're going to remind them to slow down or actually put post uh, patrolmen there to try to create some, some exposure to make your neighborhoods more safe. They have prescription drug drop-off drop box at the police station that uh, instead of throwing your prescription drugs that you might have outdated into the trash is uh, to properly get rid of them through uh, drop boxes, both at the fire station on the north side of Valpo, number two fire station, and the police station downtown. And the last group I'll mention is the school safety and education. The police participate in what they call adopt a school program where certain police officers get to know a particular um, one of our schools and they put on various programs and it's coordinated through our resource officers that are associated with the school. Resource officers today are one is at the high school and one at each of the middle schools and there's roaming officers that uh, handle uh, the elementary schools. And they also have a 13-week interactive uh, gang resistant and education training. They call it the GREAT program. It's a 13-week interactive course for, uh, they extended it to sixth grade. They used to just do seventh grade. They've extended it to sixth and seventh grade now. And that's at TJ, BF, Manuel Lutheran, and St. Paul's. So the police department is, is trying to be out there from their side, but like I said, to really, as our community grows in diversity, these programs probably have to grow also. They might be a little bit different approach than in the past, but it's really an extending hand from our police department to the community, and it does require, a res to make it work the best, it does require that our community participate on their side and, and like I said the police department uh, 
has an agenda to try to hear from the community. They have all these programs going on that I think they're, they're trying, and I'm not sure how it's working. Like I said, I've had no problem with the police department, but um, uh, I'm, that's, that's just me. But um, they are offering these programs. At the risk of consuming scarce time, I have a question. You've just listed an amazing list of community engagement activities, mm -hmm. and I don't know to what extent that is unique to the city of Valparaiso. I assume it's not unique, but it seemed like a pretty heavy dose. Where's this coming from? Who's What leadership has inspired this approach to uh, policing? Well, I don't know specifically, but I will say this. The times that I've heard police chief Jeffrey Ballin speak, he seems to have this on his his target. I don't know him. Uh, I mean, I've spoke to him twice in my lifetime from going to these meetings. Right. And when he expresses the program he's interested in, he seems to be speaking with an intent that this is important to him. Has I he, don't know. How long has he been police chief? I don't know. A couple, couple of years. years. <clears throat> Bittner. Who, who was that guy's name? Bittner? Or what was his name? Brickner. Brickner, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm just saying, yeah. I, my, I, I think, my suspicion I, is he could not have initiated all of yeah. these in two years. Well, I... I uh, I, I noticed a significant change when uh, the, the guy who was mayor for Butterfield, uh, who was a mayor, but who was sheriff, uh, chief of police for Butterfield, was very uncooperative and such, and really not a very mm -hmm. pleasant guy. And when Costas came in and appointed Brickner, I saw the whole attitude of the office change substantially mm -hmm. and very helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of those programs started with him mm -hmm. and the new guy, who I've only met a couple of times, seems yeah. to be of the same yes. same status, and they're interested in these kinds of things. And right. And, and like I said, it, the, the, I, mean, I know I'm overemphasizing this, but if the community doesn't respond back, uh, the the program won't be as successful as it could be. Yeah, it goes back to the whole idea. There's 10 people at the city council yeah. meeting, and again, you know, we get mm -hmm. oftentimes what we deserve if we're not going right. to be involved in these kinds of civic engagement, mm -hmm. as Paul always talks about. Mm -hmm. And I want to remind people, you've been listening to ABC at Noon. I'm Larry Boss, Paul Schreiner, and Jack Ballantyne. We've been talking about everything from, from sewers to police behavior. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.